Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, Electoral Commission's limited voter registration exercise ends today with a call for an extension, but with the EC listen. Also, coming up, police gives all clear for tomorrow's demonstration by the minority in Parliament targeting the BOG boss. We'll be hearing from the organisers. And later... 14 patients with kidney diseases die at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital following the two months closure of the renal center there. Steven 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Value of city to dollar jumps marginally on the interbank market, but analysts remain confident <clears throat> about currency stability. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the Western region, on Beach 105.5 FM, Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi. Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani in Ahafo. We are on Hammers Radio 106.5 in Gosu. In Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi. We are also on Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are live on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajewu. We are in the northern region on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM. We are in Upper East on Tanga 93.7 FM in Bolga. In Upper West, we are on Tongsung 97.3 FM in Wa and Jirapa 96.1 FM in Jirapa. The show is on citynewsroom.com, is on Facebook and is also uh, live on Twitter. You can join us using the hashtag citynewsroom. We are live on YouTube as well. We are broadcasting from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, in Accra. Let's settle for details of our stories, and if you want to comment, let me know, 0549-986-996. Let's start off with the Electoral Commission. The Commission has been organizing the limited voter registration exercise for the past few days. The exercise is supposed to come to an end today. There are calls for an extension. What is the EC going to do? Let's speak to Dr. Eric Bosman Asari, Deputy Chairperson at the Electoral Commission. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you and uh, good evening to your, your listeners. It's been a long time. How are you doing? Oh, I'm by God's grace. I've been doing very well and I trust you how to well, I'm managing. I'm not. I'm not always in trouble like you. I always been put in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm safe. Yeah. I, I didn't know until you made that point. Ah, uh, great, great, great. <laughs> how how is um or what's your own assessment as electoral commission over your limited registration exercise so far today being the last day? Well, I think uh, it's been very impressive uh, from our standpoint. It's been very very successful because as of as of uh, yesterday. We have registered almost 850,000 or so people, and we are on track to register almost 900,000 people. So looking at uh, it from the angle that registration was done at our district office in, in all our district offices nationwide, and considering that people came from uh, different places within the district to come and register at one location, 
to get such a number can only be very, very impressive. So let me just get a figure again. How many have you registered so far? Uh, over over 850,000. 850,000. Uh, I do almost 850,000. Almost 850,000. By, um, by close of day yesterday or by close of by day close today? By close of day yesterday. I need to confirm uh, between 850 and 850,000. I see. That's very interesting. And uh, what was your target? Well, we, we, we were looking at 700,000. So you have and done that, more, you have done by one hundred fifty thousand extra what your target was. Yeah, and it's likely we we are going to cross nine hundred thousand because we are waiting for the figures for today. And you know we've also issued a release that all those who will be in the queue at five p.m. today, their names will be written down, and tomorrow they will be given the opportunity to register. So we'll likely register more than nine hundred thousand. Doc, if you were looking at registering seven hundred thousand, and one day to the end of the deadline, you have had 850,000 registered, which is 150,000 extra people. It tells you that there are more people ready and willing to be registered than you estimated. Is that not what it means? No, uh, we, we don't look at it from that angle because, you know, the time you have a general election, which is the presidential and the parliamentary, there is a tendency for people to troop to the, to the registration centers in their numbers to take part in the exercise. I know this year, although we have an election, it's not one of the most competitive of elections uh, to be able to attract the numbers. And the commission has also made it very clear that next year we are going to continue with the registration over an extended period. And next year we are going to register people in certain selected electoral areas. So we were looking at it from that perspective that because of that, we won't be getting many people who will be interested in taking part in the exercise. And we, that's why we came up with the conclusion that we were looking at an average of about 700,000. So from our standpoint, we think that's very impressive. And initially, I think you, you were even surprised when you heard the figure because uh, all of us were thinking because of the district office, uh, many Ghanaians will not be able to uh, go to those places to go and register. But I think they've done it and it's been very, very good so far. Okay. How did you arrive at the 700,000 target that you were working with? Because you reviewed it downward from 1.2 million to 700,000. What informed that decision? No, we, we looked at the, uh, the census, which, which uh, told us clearly that in every year we are going to have about 450,000 people who turn the age of 18. So we're working with the 1.350 million. 1,350,000, we're working with that figure. And we also noticed that since this year, as I said, it's not a general election year, we wouldn't expect many people to. So commission was working with a target of about something between 50 to 55%. And we, we, we arrived at 52%. And the thinking was that let's register these people once they are built themselves. The next year being a very... Uh, competitive election year 2024, we may, we, we begin another round of registration and we may end up registering all those who couldn't make it this year. Your job as Electoral Commission is, among other things, to open the register for people to put their names on if they are qualified or they so wish. You don't account, you don't have to provide the funds for that registration exercise. You are supposed to be giving money all you need to do is recruit people, set up centers for people to register. And yet, you restricted yourselves. 
can you explain why if it was not financial that prevented you from letting all 1.3 million estimated people register why did you in your mind decide that you're going to bring it down to 300,000 when you have been given the necessary funding for it okay let me make this point clear before i go to the the, the question I think the commission had in mind if all the 1.3 million people had come we were ready to register them in all our district offices let me make that one very very clear but beyond that let me also state that the commission took the decision to register at our district offices largely because we wanted to ensure the integrity of the voters register no elections are very important in almost every part of the world and in our country this is not an exception we always have uh, two parties very very uh, competitive when it comes to uh, competing at the highest level so the commission took the decision that the guarantor system which is embedded in our processes Look, I, I, I really wish, I'll, I'll let us go to that. I wanted to know why you decided to work with 700,000 and not 1.3. We'll talk about that. We'll come to the reason you went to the district office and your guarantor system. But I wanted you to explain. I, the... think I, I was trying to explain that. Okay. I said, I said we were ready to register the 1.3, but we only came up with an estimate of uh, 700,000 that in the worst case scenario, we should be able to register the 700,000 people in this particular phase of the registration. So that next year, when we open up again, we'll be able to register the rest. Okay, the view, the view is that you are deliberately disenfranchising people this year. If, okay. someone, if someone wanted to register this year, but because of the limited nature of your exercise, they are unable to register, they may not be available next year during the registration period to register and they want to vote. What happens to them? That is one. Doc, there's a second right, point right. too is that there is a district level election or district assembly election coming up this year. By your decision not to expand the registration for everybody, you as an electoral commission are being part of the people who talk down on the district level election and do not encourage voting in the district level election. What do you say to that? Oh, I think I, 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 I totally disagree with that. Mr. Sander, let me make this point. Now, when you talk about electoral commissions in Africa, even in West Africa, we are the only country with the exception of Quebec, which has almost 55% of all, all the registrable people on the voters' register. So the electoral commission is committed to ensuring that anyone who is qualified as the as a voter is given the opportunity to register. And when you look at what we have uh, just completed at uh, 5 p.m. Uh, today, we've been able to, we are getting close to almost 900,000. What the commission is saying is that in order to ensure the integrity of the process, and because our, our, some of our processes have been abused, let's ensure that the registration takes place at a location which can guarantee the integrity of the voters register. And we also made it very clear that in our work plan for 2023, Commission had a clear program in place to register people at the district offices. For well, the strategy was that we needed to activate registration at the district offices so that every year, all year round, there will be some registration taking place so that we don't want a situation whereby somebody turns 18 today and the only time the person can register is after a year or after six months. So this is something we have started this year. 
Next year, we hope that we are going to have a very extensive period for this particular exercise. Maybe about five, six months registration is going to take place in our district offices. So that once we, we have elections, then maybe we may decide to go to certain uh, hard-to-reach communities and register people. So please, if somebody is talking about we disenfranchising, that, that, that is not true. Because on the uh, basis of the evidence available to you and I, the Electoral Commission has done what, what one expects an Electoral Commission to do. And I think media people are very, very much concerned about the integrity of the voters' register. And that's what the Electoral Commission is trying to do. And our, our view is that to be able to ensure the integrity of the register, we will be better by doing the registration of the district offices. Next year, would you open up the registration to all voting centers, or it is going to be only at the district offices? Next year, we are going to we are going to do registration at the district offices, and also do registration at certain selected electoral areas in very difficult uh, communities. So what? And those are going to be uh, ahead of maybe uh, uh, some three months to the elections. We are going to do that, but within the year, we expect that for five six months. We are going to have a, what we call continuous registration at our district offices. So the era, so few, the, the, the era where I could walk a few minutes to my voting center to register, those that era is gone. You are saying? No, Mister. So we 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 we've done the mass registration, which we did in 2020. And I said that when you look at the statistics, if the electoral commission wants to register at each polling station, you may go to a certain polling station and. Within a year, only about 50 people will be 18 years. So because we already have a chunk of the voters already on the road, we are only updating. And what the commission is saying is that by updating and following best practices, let's have it centered at our district offices. If you turn 18 today, tomorrow just go to the district office and register. If you turn 18 on Monday, just go to the district office and go and register. But when it's getting to elections, maybe three three months to elections, then we arrange so that the communities that are very uh, inaccessible, commission, electoral commission will arrange for some registrations in those some of these places. And that's what we are trying to do. But okay. the current registration, this is something which is going to continue for many years. So the mass registration, as we know it in the past, would never happen. That's what it you're saying. It will never happen. Uh, because Mr. Sander, when you look at the numbers from the statistical service again, we are getting almost about 500,000 people turning 18 every year. And when you divide that number by the number of electoral areas we have in Ghana, uh, with the electoral areas about 6,272, when you divide 500,000 by that number, chances that, that some electoral areas may not even have uh, 2,000 people who have turned 18 in a year. So, and, Doc, this your explanation is a bit surprising to me because consistently the defense in your favor has been when people raise the issue of the limited, limited registration, you consistently said there's going to be a mass registration in an election year next year. In fact, when the story was dug up, a story of your boss, Jim Mensah, in 2016, uh, complaining and demanding that m re limited registration be expanded to registration at all polling stations when that issue came to light the response from your office and from your chairperson was that at the time it was an election year so it was reasonable for her to have insisted that registration be done everywhere in the country and not just at district centers you were saying that this thing that she proposed and championed in 2016 
will not be done under her watch in 2024, even though she defended at the time and defended as recently as two weeks ago when you called your press conference or last Lazada, week. I think uh, those, those, those are different contexts. In 2016, the commission didn't have the continuous registration. The point I made was that from in 2020, we are going to roll out the continuous registration for about five, six, seven months, continuously in our district offices. So when you are able to do that, there will be no basis for you to now go and do another mass registration. The reason is that the people you are going to register at the polling station or the electoral area, you've already captured them. Unlike 2016, the Electoral Commission didn't do that. So what we are basically saying is that in 2024, we are going to activate registration at our district offices. Okay. And when it's getting to elections, some selected electoral areas, for example, places like the Afan Plains, and we also have uh, Wa East, where uh, the, the capital is far away from certain uh, communities, the Electoral Commission will do that. How do you define FAR? Um, do you define FAR because of the quality of the road connecting the capital from the community, or you connect it, you, you define it because there's a water body separating it? What do you use to determine which communities will get this special treatment you're going to bring next year? Oh, Mr. Hassan, I think we have, we have a team that works on that, and they give uh, the commission the necessary information to be able to make decisions. And what the Electoral Commission has basically said is that we will do the continuous registration, but ahead of the elections, we will make sure that, and this registration, we've learned a lot from it. You know, places like Afram Plains, certain places, especially why East, we look at the figures and you realize that the numbers are not comparable to other uh, registration centers. And you look at even the Upper West, when you look at uh, what, what the Y East example, you look at Y Central, Y West, other places, you, re you see some significant differences. So the commission has all this information. You look at the Afram Plains areas, we have all this information. So what we are basically saying, and we've, we've, we've made press conferences that getting to the elections, we are going to do that. So what that means is that we are not going to go to every electoral area. Of the 6,272, we are not going to go to all of them. But we will identify certain places where, based on the numbers, they, will, they need to be given some special attention, and we are going to do that. I see. You've mentioned a number of areas, but there are places even in Accra where accessibility to the district capital of a village is a problem. My, I use my, my district, Shio Sudoku. There's a village known as Volivo or a town known as Volivo. It's way far from Dodoa, which is a rich uh, district capital. Now, for the registration to have happened in the past few days, what I noticed the political parties do is that they bring buses to these various villages and uh, carry the people to the registration center in Dodoa, the district capital, to register. And this is Greater Accra region. There will be so many other communities like this because the road connecting them to their district capital is a problem. Two, there are people who go to farm. They can leave their farms and travel or get bus to a district capital. There is an issue of rain. It's in the rainy season. People don't want to move to a distant place. Why don't you put the registration center behind their window so that they can go and register like they've done in the past? Why are you insisting that people should go to their district capitals? And now you are giving us a special list of areas where you would be sending registration to. How come one area gets it and another area doesn't get it when all the problems are the same everywhere? Oh, Mr. Sander, I, I was giving you an example of places that will be considered. 
And obviously, the commission could consider, let's say, about 500 electoral areas, maybe 300 electoral areas. And certainly, the place you are talking about should be a, a good candidate for su such an exercise. Yeah, but the, the problem is that if it is a good candidate, because I have said it to you, what about other areas that have not said it to you? For well, instance, I said we have we have a team in place. Yeah, but my difficulty no, is that every, why do you have to worry have, yourself? Why do you have to be creating a team to be checking which area deserves what? When, like I said in the beginning, the government of Ghana or the people of Ghana have given you the funds and they've said to you that bring registration materials for us to register. Why are you discriminating against certain areas? If you look at even Ashaiman, the constituency Ashaiman is a town, but there are people who live in areas where getting to the office is a problem. Again, when people get to the office to register, there are queues, there is chaos. Why do you then have to go through this decision to create certain areas that deserve to be given special attention and others don't? I, I still am not convinced. Okay, Mr. Sander, let me, I, I, I made an earlier point that the Electoral Commission did a mass registration in 2020. We did a mass registration. And during this mass registration exercise, we captured 17 million and 27,000 people. A mass registration means sending the registration to all the voting every, centers. Every polling okay. station. Continue. Every polling station. We did that in 2020. Mm -hmm. So since that registration, the Electoral Commission has decided to be updating the register. And when you are updating the register, and I gave you some statistics that from the Ghana, from the Ghana Statistical Service, Averagely, you have about 450,000 to 500,000 people turning 18 every year in this country. So as I said, when you look at, let's say, 500,000 people turning 18 every year, and the Electoral Commission decides that we are going to do registration at all our polling stations in a year, what it means is that averagely we are looking at, in a year, we are looking at, at about 140 people per polling station. And 140 people per polling station, they can even be registered in a day. So you don't, you don't want to go there and in one day you registered all of them. And Mr. Sander, all these people are not turning 18 on the same day within the year. So this is what the Electoral Commission is saying. Okay. Because of that, why don't we have a central location within the district? Any day you turn 18... Just go there. So assuming in a particular uh, district, every day you have 10 people who turn 18, they should go to the district office and register. So that they don't have to wait for three months or four months before there's a limited registration. Okay. And the Electoral Commission is saying in 2024, after doing this ahead of the elections, communities that are very, uh, let's say, hard-to-reach communities, the Electoral Commission will put measures in place. And what we are saying is that it's not going to be applicable to all the 6,272 electoral areas. We are going to identify all the places in the country that are hard to reach or far, so far away from the district office of the commission. And we are going to activate this exercise. Our objective is to ensure that anyone who is qualified to register as a voter is given the opportunity to do so. This 6,000 plus, you're not going to go to all 6,000 plus electoral areas. Do you no, have, an, do, do you have the number of electoral areas you'll be targeting? No, we commission will come up with that plan and we will okay, announce so you, it don't, you don't have that readily available. Okay. Yeah, we don't if have that. you have continuous registration at the district offices of these hard-to-reach places, why do you still have to send registration officers to their doorstep? 
My question is, you are going to allow continuous registration in your district offices because you want to solve the problems, right? Hello, uh, yeah, go ahead, I'm listening. Can you, uh, can, you hear, you. can you hear me? Yeah, I can, I can hear you now. I'm saying that you have decided that people should go and do continuous registration at your district offices. And that mm. includes these hard-to-reach areas or electoral areas that you are going to list out later. If mm -hmm. it were to be a successful project, this um, district um, continuous registration that you are talking about, why then are you still going to send materials to or registration offices to their doorsteps? Why are we going to stand registration? Yes. If if mm -hmm. if you if you think that this your continuous registration at the district office is good and is actually going to be workable, why do you still then have to choose some selected areas and decide you are sending them materials? It means that your continuous registration has failed. And if it has failed, it may have failed everywhere in the country. And so you should allow everybody in the country to register close to their homes. Um, I think that, that may be your right interpretation of the work we've done this year. But let me, let me say this. You know, you may be aware in the beginning of the year, the Electoral Commission was working on a constitutional instrument. If you, uh, well, we, we indicated that we wanted the Ghana card to be the main source of identification for everyone who wanted to register as a voter. The, the, the work plan of the commission was that by June or maybe around May, this CI would have passed. Then the registration would have started. So if the registration has started, we would have had enough time to be able to register everyone. But we, that, that CI was not late, let alone passed. And the Electoral Commission, recognizing the importance of uh, the right to vote and for people to take part in the district assembly elections, took the decision that no, some registration must take place. And that registration, we looking at our work plan, we noticed that having it at the district office was going to be very beneficial, not only to the Electoral Commission, but largely to ensure the integrity and the credibility of the voters register. Because as I indicated earlier, we've noticed that uh, the, the abuse the abuse embedded in the guarantor system has meant that we have people who are unqualified, people who are not even Ghanaians, uh, being fronted by others who are Ghanaians to go and uh, register them. So the thinking was that if you, you, you centralize it at the district office, you may end up achieving some success. And mm. I think with what we've seen so far, we've, we've made some strides. If we had extended the registration uh, to the polling station or even to the electoral area, the abuse would have been massive. And the commission is saying that we are still in our... In, I think we had a press conference last week. We made it very clear that as far as the commission is concerned, we, we strongly believe that having the Ghana card will be the surest way to ensure that we have only those who are qualified on the voters okay. register. Okay. Mm -hmm. no, when, you, when you talk about integrity of the register, I'm sure you're talking about the registration of minors and all of that. We have seen pictures emerging from your district offices where offices where children, well, looking at them, they look like children, have showed up to vote. And we are told, in fact, you have also said to us a number of children have come and registered when you did your last press conference. So if your idea of bringing the registration to your doorstep was to ensure integrity of the register, then again, on that score too, you have failed because you still have minors registering. Uh, we, we haven't failed. On the contrary, we haven't. And this is the reason. That's why I gave you the example. If we had extended it to the electoral area or the polling station, that number would have quadrupled. So we've achieved some success. And 
The point we have processes. We don't. We have the challenge process and we have the objection process, which part of the registration. So the fact that the people have gotten onto the register doesn't mean that uh, uh, they are going to be there. We know a number of them have been challenged, and the last time we had the press conference, we gave a certain number, almost about 8,000 have been challenged. So all these people will go through a process, through what we call the District Registration Review Committee okay. uh, meeting. So they will go through that process. So as far as so we, we are very, very much concerned about the right to vote, the right to register, but we're also very much concerned about ensuring the integrity of our process. So when you hear us talking about or registering at the district of doing A, B, C, and D, we want to ensure that all the political parties will have a lot of confidence in the voters' register. Okay. On the scale of 0 to 10, on the integrity scale, how would you rate this particular registration you have just conducted in terms of integrity versus the ones in the past? So I think so far, I, I will put it at uh, up there, maybe 8.5, 8.5 over 10, which is uh, very, very impressive. And initially, if you remember the numbers, when we even started, the, num- the first day we, we registered less than 13,000. Then we started hitting 40,000, et cetera, 50,000 in that manner. I think one of the days we were able to register almost 54,000. So I think in terms of integrity, it has been, it's, it's, it's up there with the others we've done in the past, and it's our expectation that after the challenge processes have been exhausted and the exhibition through the objection and other related systems which will enhance the integrity of the process, everything should be fine and okay. we may end up adding these numbers to the previous register and we'll let the good people of Ghana know about Very the numbers well. that have been registered. L- so last two questions for my listeners. One wants to know when you are going to create constituencies, if you will be creating them, and the second person wants to know when you are going to open the window for transfer. Transfers, transfers begin tomorrow. Transfers begin tomorrow. Tomorrow is the 3rd of October, and we are doing the transfers from t- uh, tomorrow, the 3rd of October, to the 9th of October for seven days. So anyone who wants to transfer to a district, this is the time to do it. Starting tomorrow. To do it. Starting tomorrow. Tom- starting tomorrow. And tomorrow, to Mr. Center, we are doing replacement. Replacement of voter ID cards. If your ID card is defaced or your ID card is missing, just go to the district office. There is a short code for you to use to pay your money. Once you pay, you go to any district office close to where you live. They will give you a new voter's card. From tomorrow to when? As for, for, for the replacement of the cards, when, from tomorrow, we, we've not announced any end date. It's only the transfers which are ending on the 9th of October, including Saturday and Sunday. Okay. But for the card replacement, Monday to Friday, anytime you go to our offices between 8 to 5, they should be able to replace once okay. you have evidence of payment. And the creation of new constituencies? So the, the EC hasn't said it anywhere that we are going to create new constituencies. We haven't said it anywhere that we are going to create new constituencies. But are you planning? No, we, we, have, we are not planning. Of nothing, no, 2024 is, uh, is although it's closed for us, it's also far away. So we are not, we are not talking of creating any constituencies. It's not, as we speak now, we, the things on our agenda, creating of constituencies is not one of those. But is it possible you may create constituencies before 2024 December? I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not sure of that. But as we speak now, I know we are not creating any constituencies. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. My pleasure. My pleasure. All the best. You too. That's Dr. Eric Bosman Asari. He's a chair, deputy chairperson of the Electoral Commission. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3.
CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. There's a planned demonstration tomorrow by the minority group in Parliament. And the police has been announcing what its plans for tomorrow are. Enu has a story. The Ghana Police Service says enough men and logistics have been deployed for the intended <coughs> protest on Tuesday by the minority group in Parliament. The protest dubbed the Occupy BOG is to demand the resignation of the governor of the Bank of Ghana and his two deputies. The protest has been postponed on three separate occasions due to difficulties in the police and organizers coming to terms on the exact routes for the protest. Addressing the press on tomorrow's protest, the Director of Public Affairs of the Ghana Police Service, ACP Grace Ansa Akrofi, indicated that the organizers have agreed to end the protest at the Independence Square. Police has been working with a minority group for some time now towards this demonstration. And at this note, I wish to take the opportunity to thank the minority group, the leaders, the organizers, for their cooperation so far with the police service. As we appreciate them, we wish to also state that the police service as an institution has been committed to providing security for all demonstrations across the country. And as you are aware, we have a track record of ensuring the safety and security of demonstrators at all times. And this particular demonstration scheduled for tomorrow is no exception. I will take you through a few of the arrangements we have made and what our expectations are and what our assurances to the Ghanaian people are. As always, we have deployed our men. We've been training, rehearsing, preparing, so that we can deliver the best form of security to the organizers and the demonstrators, and also to other users of our roads and other um, members of the motoring public and all other members of the public who may be going about their normal duties who are not necessarily involved in the demonstration. To ensure this, we've deployed personnel across the various routes, the starting point, the routes and the destination for the demonstrations. Also, we've deployed adequate logistics in place ready to ensure that every Ghanaian citizen who shows up on the streets to exercise their constitutional right to demonstrate is protected is guaranteed safety and security. I will quickly run you through the traffic arrangements made for tomorrow's demonstration. Per our agreements with the minority group, the demonstrators will converge at the Obra Sport at the Kwame Nkrumah Circle and proceed to Adabraka to reach runabout National Theatre traffic lights High Court Complex traffic lights to Atamel's Highway and make a U-turn at the National Lotteries and terminate at the Independence Square. 
The road from the Independence Square in front of the National Lotteries towards the old Parliament traffic lights will be blocked temporarily to vehicular traffic during the course of the demonstration. The blocked roads will be diverted through the Starlet traffic lights, through the Ministry's traffic lights, to pass in front of the Office of the Department of Urban Roads, through the National Lotteries, to link up with the AMA road to Yoko, to take a detour back to the John Evans at Mills Highway at the Old Parliament traffic intersection. ACP Grace Antakrofi is the Director of Public Affairs of the Ghana Police Service. The NDC side is planning that demonstration led by the parliamentary group. Uh, the National Communications Officer of the NDC is Sami Jemfi. He's joining us on the line. Uh, Mr. Jemfi, welcome to Eyewitness News. The police appears ready for you. Are you ready for them? Um, we are not demonstrating because of the police. We are demonstrating to demand the immediate resignation of Ms. Governor Ernest Addison, his deputies, and... What, 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 what is Ms. Governor, lawyer? What, what is, I don't understand. What is Ms. Governor? Ms. Governor means that the governor, we are referring to the governor of the central bank who has misgoverned the central bank. Um, the fact that today our central bank is bankrupt, um, having recorded an unprecedented loss of 60.8 billion Ghana cities and an unprecedented equity of negative 55 billion Ghana cities. He's Ms. Governor Addison because he has in gross violation of Section 30 of the Bank of Ghana Act, the very law which governs his work, the very law he has sworn to abode, printed in excess of 77 billion for the Kufuado Babumia government, which is totally criminal. And as a result of his actions, he's had excess supply of money in the country today, which has led to high inflation, thereby imposing untold hardships on majority, the vast majority of Ghanaians. And that is what this demonstration is about, to demand their resignation. So we are not ready for the police because we are not demonstrating against the police. This demonstration is not about the police. Whatever we are required to do by law as organizers of the demonstration has been complied with. We notify the police. The law says we should give them a five-day notice. We gave them weeks, you know, almost a month notice. And we've had several discussions with them on the route. They've been very unreasonable on the route, but in the interest of public order and public safety. And um, because we want to embark on this peaceful demonstration um, to press home our demands, we've made compromises, which they have agreed to. And so tomorrow, the demonstration is coming on. We are converging at our brass port uh, by 7 a.m. in the morning. Um, it's going to be a peaceful demonstration on the route we have agreed on with the police. And um, we're going to, we're going to um, make our demands. And uh, it is our expectation that uh, we'll be successful in that endeavor. You use the word criminal to define the work or what the, the actions of the governor. You are a lawyer. If someone engages in a criminality, you go to the police to report them. Why are you demonstrating and not reporting to the police to arrest this person you claim has engaged in criminality? Uh, well, um, when public officers who are entrusted with the 
management of the monetary policy of this country, like the governor, his deputies, and so on, um, violate the very laws they are sworn to uphold, the very laws that govern their work. Uh, that is criminal. Section 56 of the Bank of Ghana Act, as amended in 2016, says that any breach of any provision of the Bank of Ghana Act is a crime, and it is punishable by a term of imprisonment not exceeding two years. What they have done, uh, specifically the printing of uh, about 77 billion Ghana cities, which is equivalent to 770 trillion old Ghana cities, that is for 2021 and 2022 combined, for the failed Ekufuadobawomia government, is in clear violation of Section 30 of the Bank of Ghana Act. And so that is criminal, and that is why I'm referring to that as criminal. That is why we are demanding their resignation. No, no, for sorry. So, the first step. Okay. Beyond that, we will be petitioning um, um, the special prosecutor to actually institute criminal um, proceedings against them because what they have done constitutes a crime. And we are bearing the brunt of their criminal conduct, which is a high inflation we are currently confronted with. I'm just looking at the OSP's law, corruption and corruption-related offenses. You haven't mentioned that. You just said criminal. And so why not the police? Why not the Attorney General's department? No, we, 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 we reserve the right to um, decide which institution of state we would like to bring this matter before. And um, we think that given the nature of this particular matter, the OSP is appropriate institution to investigate this matter and to institute criminal, you know, action okay. against the perpetrators of this heinous crime. What is tomorrow's exercise going to be like? What's the nature of this your demonstration? Is it going to be a one-day event? Are you going to do a series of? Um, no, it's, uh, uh, we're going to do series of demonstrations. But tomorrow is going to be a one-day event. After the demonstration tomorrow, we shall announce the next the date for the next demonstration. Uh, but let me say that um, we are totally surprised, you know, uh, that having made significant compromises um, on the route for the demonstration, which the police has already agreed to, the police will, at this 11th hour, this last minute, you know, decide to amend the agreed route. We just want to tell... IGP Dampare, and the regional police commander Gariba, EUP Gariba. Look, we respect you, and that is why, even though the reasons for your position to our initial route didn't make sense, we decided to make compromises. Um, compromises have been made, you have already agreed on the route. This is going to be a peaceful demonstration being led by um, our 137 gallant members of parliament. We have nothing to hide. Uh, let's just demonstrate peacefully in accordance with our rights as citizens of this country. Your responsibility as police officers is to offer us the needed protection. Stop these shenanigans and stop, you know, uh, allowing yourself to be used by politicians. You know the route we agreed on. There was no agreement that we're going to make a U-turn at the National Lutheran Building. In fact, that, 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 the name of that building has not even come up in any of our discussions. Initially, we wanted to go to the Bank of Ghana. They said no, that the Bank of Ghana is a security zone. So the White House is a security zone. Yet, we've had people demonstrate there. 
So with your protection, it should be possible for us to demonstrate that. After a lot of back and forth on that, they said they would not agree. So we said, okay, we won't go to the Bank of Ghana. We will converge at our Brasport, walk uh, through Adabraka to the NDC head office, turn left, go straight all the way to the Ridge Runabout, move from the Ridge Runabout to the National Theatre traffic light, turn left at the National Theatre traffic light, to the uh, High Court Complex traffic light, and then go straight on that Tamils High Street. And then when we get to the Supreme Court traffic light, which is a few meters away from the central bank, we are going to make a U-turn there. The reason why we said we'll make the U-turn at, uh, at, the, at the Supreme Court traffic light is that that is in close proximity to the central bank. And so our leaders, not the protesters who will be in their thousands, but the leaders led by the Honorable Dr. Atosforsen and the leaders of the other groups like Arise Ghana, the PNC, the, the CPP, all the political parties who are joining this demonstration. We are going to select a few of them to go to the frontage of the central bank, meet representatives of the governor, and present our petition. It's as simple as that. So nobody has said that we are going to enter the Bank of Ghana with all the protesters and demonstrators. And nobody ever even came up with this idea of making a U-turn at national route. I was the one who actually proposed this route, you know, as a compromise position. You can ask the greater Accra regional commander and his men. They were all there with myself and Honorable Kwame Abuja. And they were happy with the compromise and said that making a U-turn at the Supreme Court traffic line is perfect. There is nothing wrong with that. They were excited about it, about the fact that we had agreed that we were not going to go to the central bank with the protesters. So we said, we'll make a U-turn there. So that when we get there, either the uh, representatives of the governor can come and meet us at the traffic light, or we will send our representatives there to present a petition. How does that undermine um, the security of the central bank? So they should stop this last-minute shenanigans. It doesn't respect okay. their status. And so the police Mr. said... Mr. Dampare, I mean, what I want to tell him is that Many, many believe that he was going to be a different IGP. But he is today disappointed those many people. He shouldn't allow himself to be used by the, the ruling MPP, only to be dumped like it happened to his predecessors. Just offer us a protection. We are embarking on a peaceful procession. So what is this whole farce and uh, 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 this whole deception about um, um, last minute changes to an agreed route. It doesn't befit their status at all. They should stop that. The, the demonstration will come on as planned. It's going to take, on, take place on the agreed route that they themselves are aware of. It's going to be very peaceful, and we will try our best to control the crowd so that we do not impede traffic or anything. So, so when, when you just use the phrase, uh, the demonstration thing, but, but, uh, plays on agreed routes, it means you are going to insist on the routes that you said are oh, the routes course. you agreed they on. Are, they, Which course. means there's going to be a standoff tomorrow. And no, no, there's not going to be any standoff. They cannot look at our faces and tell us that the agreed route was that we make a U-turn at National Lottery. T.O.P. Gareba cannot say that. He can't. He can't. Because I was in that room with him. I was the one who told him that Commissioner, you are not happy with this route. What route do you want? Give us your route. He said, ah, he can't give us a route. I said, okay, if we go here, go here, go here, we get to Supreme Court traffic, like we make a route, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay. Even when one of his men 
decided to ask a question about the Supreme Court. He said, no, 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 don't raise any issue. That's the best. That's the best route. Okay. And they asked us to put it on paper. We put it on paper. They wrote back. They agreed with us. So we're from this last minute um, 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 deception about making it. They shouldn't have that. We don't want any tension. We don't want any standoff. We are responsible citizens. We want to protest peacefully and responsibly. They should just offer us the protection. That's okay. all on that route. Thank and you. Stop this last minute deception. Thank you for speaking to uh, us. That's Sami Jemfis, National Communications Officer of the National Democratic Congress. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Since last week, we've been bringing you stories about what's happening at the renal uh, center, that's the kidney center at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital. There was an earlier issue of an increase in price which was unlawful. The hospital CEO spoke to us and said uh, it was uh, done on the blind side of management and that it has been rectified. Now there's a conversation around the state absorbing the cost of kidney uh, treatment or treatment of kidney diseases. What exactly is the government going to do about this? Or has government even uh, heard about these conversations that are uh, making the rounds? The Member of Parliament for Ofwasia Yerebi is government's official spokesperson. He's Minister for Information. He's joined us on the line for a quick comment on this. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. And good evening. I'm doing well. Um, this conversation around government absorbing through the NHIS the cost of uh, treating kidney diseases. Um, has government taken a decision on it or government is working on something on that? So uh, specific to the Kolebu matter, we are informed that the hospital authorities uh, are looking into the announcement of the increased rate by the unit and will, upon completion of that, go through the appropriate processes to bring that to the attention of government, reference to what increases they think that they may require. But the general conversation which has been going on is what I personally contributed to, in which I suggested that whatever the amount comes to, it is a matter that the National Health Insurance Fund should be able to um, take up. And uh, to achieve that, we need to take a lot more seriously the financing of the National Health Insurance Fund so that it can take up, um, you know, incidents uh, like this. I believe that's why your producer called me. Great. So let me understand. Um, this is your your personal thinking of how the solution can be or something that government has been considering. So from the government side, as I mentioned, the government is waiting uh, on the management of Kolebu to complete its internal work and come forward with what its position is. In my personal capacity, I was participating in a discussion on one of your sister networks in which I expressed the thought that it doesn't matter what the cost is, whether it's still the 350 or it goes up to 400, uh, multiplied by the number of times people have to undergo dialysis in a month, it is not something that an individual um, will be able to cater for without uh, draining their finances extensively. And that's why I personally believe that it's something that the National Health Insurance Fund should be able to take over or should be asked to take over. It then led us into a conversation about how we are funding the National Health Insurance Fund. Today, the non-SNIT contributor is paying 28 Ghana cities as annual premium. The SNIT contributor is paying 8 Ghana cities as annual premium. This is woefully inadequate. Secondly, the National Health Insurance levy that is collected on behalf of the Health Insurance Fund is not automatically remitted to the Health Insurance Fund. And I believe that is something that we also need to take a second look at. Since the days of President Kufour, who introduced this fund, we have never remitted 100% to the fund. 
I don't honestly think it's proper for us to collect monies in the name of the fund and not remit those monies to the fund. And it's something that both MPP and NDC have been doing since the days of President Kufo. Mm. We need to bring some automaticity to that amount of money that we collect on behalf of the fund. And my honest belief is that when you allow that automaticity for the money to go directly into the fund, and then when you make the premiums realistic, eight Ghana cities per annum is really not a realistic premium if you compare to what many people are paying for private health insurance. So if you do these two, you will get health insurance funded in a way that can take care of these costs as we are discussing them. All right. The difficulty with uh, NHIS for many of the private institutions is that the issue of uh, paying them when they take care of patients becomes a problem. So many people run away from the NHIS. Kualibu Teaching Hospital, the renal center, we are told, has been closed for two months now because of the absence of uh, regents, which they need for that particular uh, procedure that they do. Now, if we were to put this particular treatment on NHIS, ultimately what happens is that the hospital is still going to suffer and we will still see uh, the challenges that we are seeing. I believe working and ensuring the NHIS works best is the way it should be. And you have actually talked about the remittances that should be going to NHIS. So I guess maybe it's both an advice and a question that there's, is there a guarantee that if NHIS is asked to absorb this, NHIS 1 can do the absorption and 2 whether hospitals will be better off. So um, asking NHIS to absorb when you have not solved the automatic transfers and the adequacy of funds will be an exercise in futility. We need to be um, upfront with how we are funding the National Health Insurance Fund. If we get that done, that is when you can then be sure that any announcement that this cost of dialysis will be absorbed by the National Health Fund will translate into reality. And that is why I'm suggesting that as a first step, let us ensure that automaticity, whatever we collect on behalf of the National Health Insurance Fund, should automatically go there. If you look at the data from the days of President Kufo through President Mills, through President Mahama, even to our current administration, we have not remitted 100% of all that we have collected in the name of the Health Insurance Fund to the Health Insurance Fund. And that is why I'm suggesting as a first step that we have to bring about some automaticity so that it goes there directly. Secondly, even the premiums have to be adjusted. Then we can be sure that they have enough money to cater for it when we announce it. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. Thanks, Sandra. That's the Honorable Minister for Information, Kojo Ponkrumah. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Eno. Former President John Ajakunkufo's office has confirmed that he is recovering from the devastating news of his wife's death. Teresa Kufo, the former first lady, passed away at their home in Pedrasi. A senior aide and spokesperson for the former president, Dr. Kobna Osei Edubofo, says Mr. Kufo is gradually recovering and has asked the public to keep the family in their thoughts and prayers during this difficult time. It's a very shocking, because very sad. It happened yesterday late in the afternoon. Um, the old man didn't take it kindly at all. It was a shocking to him. Um, but uh, this morning I've seen that he's recovered to some extent. Um, you know, um, you know, he's old enough to understand death. And um, normally when people come to um, inform us of the bereavement of other people, he keeps on saying 
this death journey is something that everybody will participate, you know. And we are all in the queue and we go one by one. So basically, he, he understands that and he has attuned his mind to it, despite the fact that the initial, initial occurrence was a very serious shocker. So, so as we speak currently, the former president is doing well and he's responding to to the news. I mean, even though not the best that we he, expect. I know, measuredly. He's responding measuredly. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Well, Senior aide and spokesperson for former President Kufo, Dr. Kobinose Edubofo there. The immediate past constituency chairman of the NDC for Ningupram Pram, Michael Kwete, has paid glowing tributes to their late former MP, Enoch Taimenta, describing him as a gem whose impact transcended politics. The former Council of State member and MP died in South Africa last night at age 77 after a prolonged illness. Michael Kwete says E.T. Mensah was a political colossus who helped mentor many politicians from Ningo Pram Pram. Honorable E.T. Mensah was a founding father of the NDC and he later became the, uh, the longest serving mayor of Accra. He is the mayor for 10 years. Then he also became the MP for Ningo Pram Pram. Once at it, he was also the national youth organizer for the party at a point in time. Then he became the national vice chairman. He also became the member, a member of the National Council of Elders. Michael Kwete is a former NDC constituency chairman of Ningo Pram Pram. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Alabaka in Accra. Up next, we bring you the latest in the world of business, and then that would effectively end Eyewitness News. It's Monday night football. The city sports team will be in studio to bring you that game between Fulham and Chelsea, and it's my prayer that Fulham defeats Chelsea in a beautiful way. So stay with us. Uh, we bring you that commentary next from the city sports team. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Eno Safo. Let's settle for the details. The dollar has jumped marginally by gaining some pesos per the Bank of Ghana's rate as of today. The interbank forex rates from the central bank show that the city is trading against the dollar at 11.13 Ghana cities. Although projections of the stability of the city have been widespread, currency analysts say the resilience of the city on the foreign exchange market remains a certainty. Courage Buti is research lead at GCB Capital Limited. He's been speaking to City Business News on the performance of the city. Um, probably inflation is where it is because of some of the actions in inactions from the state actors, including the Bank of Ghana. However legitimate that may be, it is a big part of where inflation is. And we are at a point where growth is, is, is not at the strongest, really. And employment creation is a topical issue and under program where there will not be enough fiscal stimulus or even monetary stimulus for growth, really. What you expect is that the private sector will drive growth. And to that extent, I, I think the policy redecision is quite justified. Um, so it's playing a role in exchange rate dynamics at the moment. I don't think it's even precarious at this point in time. I think it's the usual dynamics that even preceded uh, the policy redecision where 
corporate demand is quite firm on the market and you would expect it around season. So I would hate it slowly and even attributing reasons uh, to policy rate for, for, for the dynamics. It is not precarious. It is the usual movement we are seeing and it's predictable around this period. And it is largely due to a gap between demand and supply on the market. And so to the extent we could find liquidity to meet those those gaps from either markets also from the regulators interventions courage Bussi is research lead at gcb capital limited now fuel price projections by the institute of energy security suggest an increase in the price of all petroleum products for the first pricing window of october the institute based on its an analysis is attributing the upward adjustments to increase in the prices of refined products on the international market and the depreciation of the city against the dollar on the interbank forex foreign exchange market adams yakubu is research analyst at ies in the month of october uh, prices are expected to rise uh, across board for all petroleum products as international market activities continue to push prices of crude further international prices of refined products have equally seen some price hikes with the various products closing the september pricing window at some net increment in their prices on the activities on the domestic forest market, the Ghana city did close the window at 11 cities 54 pesos to a dollar, depreciating by some 0.59%. And so putting all these factors together and posing it against previous prices, we believe the October 1st pricing window would see the price of gasoline go up by 1%, gas oil go up by 3%, NLPG go up by 1.5% per kilogram, which would be the third time LPG price has increased in the last three windows. Research analyst at the Institute of Energy Security, Adam Yakubu there. Spare parts dealers at Abusokai are fighting against moves by the Ghana Revenue Authority to carry out a compliance and invigilation exercise from today. Per the plans, GRA officials are to be stationed at Abusokai to ensure that the traders comply with its revenue collection exercise. Earlier today, some shops at Abusokai were shut in protest of the GRA's directive. Head of Communications of the Spare Parts Dealers Association, Techiado, says they have given government a two-week ultimatum to compel the GRA to halt the exercise. We are sending a signal to them. If they're dead, if they're dead, and they try to come in, we treat them as criminals. We sack them from our office. Then after that, GRA will come out with a statement. Then we will make sure we respond to that statement too. No, GRA have the right to come to the market. They have the right to come. But not to station somebody in somebody's shop. It has never been anywhere in this world. Only Ghana. Why? Because traders have been quiet for a long time. This is the time we are saying no. No to no. We are not going to say anything. This is the reason we are saying no. And if they try, we'll give them a showdown. We are giving government a GRA ultimatum. Two weeks ultimatum. Because the government to force GRA to what? To, to put a halt to their exercise. Techi Ado is head of communications of the Spare Parts Dealers Association. Meanwhile, the Traders Advocacy Group has questioned the introduction of GRA's monitoring task force and the effectiveness of its technology to check tax evasion at the ports. 
Here's the General Secretary of the group, Nana Poku, speaking to the media. The government has spent large sums of money deploring, uh, developing customs division systems to ensure due diligence before a container is cleared. And such containers leave the port before monitoring teams tracks them outside the port for revenue realization. Then, Mother Ghana is in serious trouble. Our stance is unequivocal. Ghana government has invested in such cutting-edge systems, in such cutting-edge systems at Tema and Takra Depot for due diligence, task compliance, and revenue mobilization. But their use is ineffective and inefficient. The only option available to Ghana Revenue Authority to address the issue is to establish tax forces. Ordinary Ghanaians would have questioned why so much money is being invested in customs system if Ghana Revenue Authority is ineffective and in, in, inefficient. If this is the case, we advocate raising revenue through tax forces rather than customs. It is past time for our leaders to take the situation serious. Thieving and extortion. Traders would <coughs> never cooperate with GRF tax forces if they could continue operating with such impunity. Nana Poku is the General Secretary of the Traders Advocacy Group. Economist Professor Peter Corte says favorable rains in recent months have set the stage for increased food production, potentially driving down inflation figures in the near term. He, however, cautions that the future of inflation is not solely dependent on agriculture. Speaking to City Business News, Professor Peter Corte said inflation rates for the next couple of months could go down given that the economy is not hit by any external shocks. We have relied on rain-fed agriculture. So, yes, once so far the rains have been good, uh, food production is going to improve from now to November, December. We're see, likely to see improvement in food. But granted that we don't increase utility prices, granted that fuel prices on the international market doesn't go up, granted that other shocks uh, on the global economy, um, that today there is war around us or war in another region that is going to impact on us, uh, then inflation is likely to come down a little bit. You know. But closer to December, uh, we see inflation going up because of the uh, Christmas sales and spending and all that. So in November, December, um, no matter what, inflation might pick up a bit. You heard economist Professor Peter Corte. And now let's go into the aftermath of Ghana's biggest corporate sporting event, which came off last Saturday at the Eden Heights Sports Complex in Wager. Because companies that participated at the just-ended 2023 City Business Olympics sealed considerable networking opportunities and partnerships. This report by Daniel Udromensa has more. It was not just about the fun, the sports and the trolls among the companies, but the City Business Olympics lived up to expectation. In fact, it was a mix of entertainment and professional opportunities. This year's event has always created an avenue for participating companies and staff to market their products and services as well as meet prospective clients and partners, all in the hope of building long-standing business relationships. Being able to contact uh, companies like uh, Gold, Yango, uh, Vortic and others to show interest in our cars. So what we are looking forward is that all these people will be able to come on board to buy these assembled vehicles here in Ghana and use on the road. We had the opportunity to meet with businesses and uh, some approached us. We've been able to explain to them what we can do to 
facilitate or support their business, which we think it's very good for us. A lot of clients came through. Most of them we were able to sign them up. In all, it has been a blessed day. A lot of people are coming to me, especially when they see my bachelor's. Hey, where, where, where do you work? And almost about, if I'm not lying, I, I brought about almost 60 complimentary cars and I've shared all. Most companies here fly with us for their domestic travel and also As you heard, meaningful connections have been created as these businesses take their operations to the next level until City TV, City FM comes their way with the next edition of the City Business Olympics. These companies will hold on to these newly sealed collaborations for growth. The City Business Olympics 2023 was powered by City TV with support from City FM and proudly sponsored by Lozati Lozenges from Unicom Chemist Limited, EK Brand Consult, Blue Jeans Energy Drink, Holad Insurance, Volta Ghana Limited, Faniogo, Yango, and Universal Motors. Daniel Odromensa's report, read by Ni Latte Latte, on the business experience at the just ended 2023 City Business Olympics. If your company didn't join the train this year, then you missed out. But just prepare so we see you at the 2024 edition. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Inosafo. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.